Where are you shaming yourself? Where are you telling yourself, no, don't be that way. You can't be weak. You can't be vulnerable. You can't be that. You have to be strong. You have to be good. You have to be a good this, a good that. There are so many instances in our lives where we judge ourselves. We are our own worst critic. So find those areas, find those places, those planets even, find those places either on your birth chart or in your life where you are feeling maybe restricted, you are limiting yourself, sabotaging, and not allowing the full expression of your being. Like Amy said earlier, authenticity is at the core of it all and it will literally open doors for you. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. Today, my guest is a repeat guest because we had such a fascinating discussion the first time she sat down with us that I just had to have her back because there was a whole boatload of other stuff that I wanted to talk to her about, in addition to her being a wealth of really cool, interesting information and uh, just a really cool person that I enjoy spending time with. So I know that you probably enjoyed the episode that we did with her already. If you haven't heard it, you definitely want to check it out. It was number 85 with Fatima Zahara. And we talked about symbols, sacred geometry, how symbology is super important, how it's part of our everyday life and every culture, whether you are aware of it or not, it is affecting you. And we also go into a little bit about my training in biogeometry, which is just blowing up right now because it's an amazing tool to help us uh, have more harmony in our lives. And so that's a really cool episode. Definitely check that out if you're resonating with this type of stuff. That's 85. And Fatima Zahara is a holistic astrologer and um, just a really interesting, very, she's got a very interesting take on astrology because she is such a broad range of uh, kind of uh, information and areas that she pulls into the picture. And I, I feel like, you know, she's, I don't know how old she is chronologically, but I, I know she's kind of on the young side and she's like a wise woman in a, in a young woman's body. She's like the, the wisdom and just the, uh, the presence and the knowledge that she, and the articulation is, is very, very impressive, very impressed with this young lady. Um, so some of the really cool things we talk about on this show is, Hey, wow. Did you know, I did not know this that, cause I'm not an astrologer, but did you know that, uh, the astrological signs and the, uh, the elements and the planets have a gender? I mean, I do, I do know like, you know, the earth is considered the feminine, the mother, you know, and fire is the masculine and all that stuff. I did know that, but I didn't know the, the relevance of astrology and how different, uh, planets have, uh, what can be considered a gender. So we get into a really, really, really important topic on this show and very, very appropriate, appropriate for my show, Awakening Aphrodite, because we get into the great polarities. And that is basically talking about the gender and everything has a duality regardless. It's not a sexual thing. It's a 
essence. It's an energy. I talk about this a lot in some of the early episodes of my show. Check that out if you're getting triggered or confused. <laughs> okay. And this is the, the duality that's in all of us, you know, the good and the bad, the up and the down, the light and the dark, all that stuff. And as I say all the time, it's about having the wisdom and discretion to know when it's appropriate to utilize either one. But the great polarities are a constant dance, a constant flow, and sometimes a battle that's going on uh, around us, both inside us and collectively, particularly uh, in uh, the, the human consciousness, the world at large. We are seeing the result of a very imbalanced polarity, uh, the, the toxic masculine polarity. That's in all of us, by the way, whether you're feminine or not. It's just imbalanced and uh, resulted in a lot of problems that we're seeing in the world right now, not only ecologically, but even just, uh, you know, in our culture. So we get into that. And we also talk about the, uh, the elements of the planets, how astrology and our birth planets are related to the elements and the masculine and feminine in us. And we get into the luminaries, particularly the sun and the moon, and especially the moon, because uh, the moon is something that's very um, near and dear to me that only in the last few years, by the way, as I have awakened my Aphrodite, <laughs> that uh, the moon is a symbol of the feminine. And it's a big part of awakening Aphrodite in you is the moon, because she is the reflective force. She is the intuitive force. She's the going within and being still and the change. She's the change. And she's also, so I also talk about in the episode how the moon is something a lot of people aren't aware, but the moon represents our authenticity. And, and it's the, the struggle of doing the things that are dutiful and feeling like you have to, to be responsible and a good mom, a good friend, a good whatever, but abandoning yourself. And the moon is symbolic for all that stuff. You can throw all that in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> that has to do with the moon symbology. So I love this discussion with Fatima today because we get into the moon pretty deep. Um, and I talk about the relationship between Aphrodite and the moon, the importance of, of us having reflection and downtime, the particular importance for women to set up their lives around the phases of the moon, the cause and effect nature of astrology versus the correlative concept. Which one is it? Fatima clears that up about what astrology really is. And she talks to us about the archetypes of the father and the mother. And the 12 signs of the astrological um, landscape and their unique polarities. Like I said in the beginning of the intro, um, I didn't know that the the each sign had a, uh, a, a gender, if you will, or, or a polarity is really more uh, accurate to describe it. And how these polarities affect our personalities as well as our lives, but most importantly, why they are significant and what they're here to teach us about ourselves. We also talk about authenticity, the power of choices, how the elements of the moon can help us with that. And Fatima brings up something I never heard of before called the black moon Lilith. And we get into the dark feminine and the shadow aspect. Really fascinating discussion. Ego repressed emotions versus, versus the shadow are discussed. And then we close with, 
I asked Fatima about what about men? What should they know about the moon? Because a lot of people do know the moon is kind of the feminine and the sun is pretty much the masculine. But how is the moon energy relative for a man? And that leads us into a discussion about the importance of men making it a priority for themselves to for their self-care, right? That that's super important. And how men need to feel safe and how men can feel shame and vulnerability and have difficulty talking about their emotions. Men need to awaken their Aphrodite just like we do, everyone. So, you know, we're all human. And as I say all the time, there's more that unites us than divides us, that's for sure. So the role of the divine feminine and our ability to tap into our emotions and feel safe and be vulnerable, but still powerful and authentically, truly ourselves is a big part of the of the beautiful feminine in all of us and awakening Aphrodite too. And finally, I talk about how the divine feminine, the essence is to inspire love and energy and passion in others. That's her magic. Her magic is about inspiring others. It's not about nagging and bullying and manipulating and using your body or your beauty or your words to try to manipulate others as a woman. It's about tapping into the love and the truth in you and just you shining you. And then that, you being you and your passion and your love and your flow and your joy, do you think that's going to inspire others and be very attractive? You better believe it, my friend. It sure is. And that's the power of the divine feminine. So put a pen in that one, okay? All right, so enjoy this amazing second appearance of my beautiful guest, Fatima Zahra. All right, welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. My guest today is repeat by your demands, my friend Fatima Zahra. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. I am thrilled to have you here. Are you still located in Paris? I am at the moment. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get right into it today because the reason why I'm having you back is because, first of all, you just are a wealth of important knowledge and information and ancient wisdom, but we ran out of time. We had such a great discussion the last time that you were a guest on the show. We didn't even get to half the topics we wanted to get into, and honestly, I could probably have you on about 20 times with all you know, <laughs> but uh, I'm thrilled to have you back. Today, we're going to get into archetypes a little bit about the great polarities, the masculine feminine. It's a big part of my show, as you know. It's a big part of what we're going on, what's going on in the world right now, not only inside ourselves, but collectively as, as a race, the human race. The, the planet is trying to harmonize and balance its energies. We are trying to balance, harmonize our energies. So super timely uh, topic. It's obviously very, very popular right now. Uh, out in pop culture, people talking about the masculine feminine. So let's hear what you have to say about it. What, where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start with archetypes or what's first on your, on your heart? Well, first of all, I think what you just said is really important with the collective. This is something that we're seeing all around us in pop culture, of course, and on the internet, on Instagram, everyone's speaking about it, but it is also seen and felt in our societies. Everything is changing and rapidly shifting. So I think reconnecting with this 
divine polarities and what they entail is something that's really important. So I think we could start with speaking about how these divine feminine, divine masculine express themselves through astrology as an example. Um, that would be a great start, I think. What do you think? I, I think that would be beautiful because again, a lot of the content on my show covers the polarities, especially some of the earlier episodes when, when I was establishing the mission of the show. But to really have the, the, the tweak of it to get into how that relates to astrology, I think would be beautiful for you to share with us about that. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, in astro what's amazing about astrology, and it's part of why I love it so much, is that there's so many different layers to how we can approach astrology. And of course, when we first begin astrology, it looks like learning about our personality, how we interact with others, how we um, think, how we feel, how uh, we maybe act, etc. But when we go a little bit beyond that, we begin seeing some common traits and cycles and trends that speak to us about our psyche, about our internal makeup. This is a guide book or a roadmap, if you want to our soul's purpose and uh, unraveling in a way it's how we are meant to express ourselves uh, the best way we can because everyone is different and everyone has a unique way of doing so and in astrology what's really interesting is that there is feminine and masculine planets of course it is not gender by it's not based on gender at all there's nothing um gender biased about astrology but it is linked with the elements and some planets and some signs are going to be more feminine in their nature um, and others are going to be more masculine and in astrology and just like uh, other alchemical or magical traditions the masculine is the active force these are the um, air and fire signs maybe they're going to take more actions they're going to be more outgoing more expressive in their nature and then we have the feminine. The feminine signs and planets are more introspective. This is the water signs, the earth signs, and some planets, of course, who correlate with this idea of receiving, of nurturing, of taking care of. And when we begin looking at these um, modalities, these um, elements in astrology in this manner, we can see how in our birth chart, there are some pointers or indicators that tell us how we express our conscious or divine masculine. I'm going to say this word a lot today, but this is a way for us to express it. And not everyone has the same way of being active in life, just like not everyone receives in the same way. So one of the great um, starts, because of course, there's so many different layers to this. One of the amazing uh, example of this would be the sun and the moon because the sun and the moon, well, they're present in all cultures, in all religions or traditions, wherever we go, there's the sun and there's the moon. And it is really a beautiful, beautiful way to begin understanding this polarity, this dance of the divine feminine and masculine within us and of course outside. Yes, I think that's very interesting and something that I've studied because I've been deeply studying about the moon in particular, um, is that I didn't realize that although most cultures have always associated the moon with the feminine, um, 
some didn't. Some associated the sun with the feminine. And uh, I thought that was just really interesting. But is it safe to say, Fatima, that the majority, like 90% of ancient cultures, thought of the moon as the feminine? I would say yes, 95%. Yeah. 95. <laughs> yeah, okay. maybe around the, the, the ex- I think that too, yes. Okay, so tell us a little bit about their particular unique traits. Like what, what makes the sun considered uh, by people to be a symbol of the masculine and the moon in particular to be a symbol of the feminine? Um, well, that's an interesting question. In astrology, the sun is not necessarily the masculine, but it is a masculine. And okay. the way it is a masculine is because the sun speaks to us about our conscious mind. This is what we strive to become. This is the message we come with. This is our core, our, our identity, our sense of self. So it is active on its own because when you are trying to learn who you are, trying to express your uniqueness, your creativity, it has to happen by doing things, by running after an ideal, a message, a desire, a purpose. And the moon, on the other hand, is our divine nurturer. This is who we are behind closed doors. This is some an energy that we do not have to really work towards. This is something that usually happens of course there is mitigating factors in astrology but in general the moon is that energy in which we are naturally comfortable that comes instinctively because it is linked with this unconscious this is our unconscious our way of receiving of nurturing and taking care of things and of course in astrology the sun and the moon can also talk to us or represent our mother and our father so the moon can relate physically this can be literally our mother and the son can sometimes you know speak to us about our father or father figure of course for people who who don't have direct biological parents so that's a really um interesting um meaning i would say because it makes overall sense with why people saw the moon or saw the sun as feminine or masculine of course there's other reasons the moon is linked with water so the, you know the tides are ruled by the moon and plants things that grow life is linked with the idea of motherhood and female females not females women all around the world have um their menstrual cycle usually synced with the moon's phases so that's part of why the moon was always considered as feminine in 95, 90% of the world. And in astrology, it's a really beautiful thing to look up to because sometimes there is um, a misunderstanding of the messages of our innate sun and moon. And that's something that as an astrologer, we I see a little bit... Um, Uh, not just a little bit, I see a lot of people, especially women, struggle with how they can actually make these two parts of themselves work together, especially if they are um, not speaking the same language, if they're not in the same sign. And yeah, that's something that absolutely fascinates me is how we can link these two parts of us, our father and our mother, not just our real father and mother, but our inner father and mother, and make them create some magic, dance, and do <laughs> crazy stuff. Yes, and that they have that important reciprocal relationship that's um, collaborative 
I think is important. You know, there's so much I want to kind of unpack with what you just said because, uh, you know, we could just talk hours about the symbolism and the aspects of the sun and the moon. Um, but I can share that uh, in my studies, even with Tarot, um, that I learned that my personality sign is actually the moon in Tarot, which is 18, which is the outward expression of the hermit, which is nine in the world. And, uh, of course, as you mentioned, the moon is the ultimate symbol of the feminine, the cycles, the rhythms of life. And, of course, the moon is not the direct source of life force and energy, which is what the sun is. However, the moon is a reflection, a reflection of the, of the energy. So the reflective quality of the moon, and I mentioned this, I think it's episode maybe two of my show when I was explaining the name of the show, the podcast, Aphrodite. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of the images and paintings of her is her with a mirror, holding up a mirror. And I explain how a lot of people misinterpreted that to think that she was so vain because she's also known as the goddess of beauty and love and all that. But it wasn't that she was vain. She was holding the mirror because she was symbolizing the feminine uh, skill and importance and the art of reflection, self-reflection. And that's what the moon symbolizes in that we need to reflect on ourselves. That means, you know, the moon goes dark through the phases, right? So there's time when we just don't need to be on all the time, which is a very important thing for what a lot of people are going through right now, particularly women. You know, you, you with you know Instagram and 24-7 access and all this stuff, we always feel like we have to be on our best. But we have to also remember the greater cyclical nature of life in the way that we can learn as demonstrated by nature that everything has a cycle. It's not always time to be on. And that self-reflection time, the time to pull back from the spotlight, not be the sun. And what I'm getting at is in my life, a lot, a lot of what led to my burnout personally was I was the sun all the time. I was running this big health club. I had like 32 employees. I was, you know, trying to do what was best. I think we talked about it a little bit in the last episode you were on for other people. But I, it's not in my chart, so to speak, to be the sun, although I have a lot of energy and I can be motivating and all that stuff and a strong life force. Really what's more true to my nature is, and also, which you can comment on too, is my moon apparently is uh, in Cancer. So it explains, yeah, so it explains a lot about my nature, right? So it's that tone. Yes, I have this real strong moon energy about me. So what I learned is, okay, you have to pull back and self-reflect and have your alone time, do that hermit time so you can shine bright like the sun. But without that, which I wasn't giving myself, I was always the sun. I burnt out. And that's what the sun will do, right? Too much sun will dry out everything. So did you want to comment on that? I know I just threw a lot at you. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, now I, I understand the intuitiveness and the, um, the beauty of what you do. And it's really fascinating because when the moon is in its own house, like it's, 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 it's in its own sign, if we may say, it's feeling at home. So there is a lot of emotions that come up and the cyclic nature that you're speaking about which is something universal like we all go through it but i guess you need it even more you need to go through these phases of waning and waxing and you know showing up and then 
being more introspective. So I think that's a beautiful message, not just for those listening who have their moon in Cancer, but for all moons, we all need that times, like you said, of reflection. And the the crazy part is that in hustle culture, we forget about that. We forget that we do need to rest. We need to rest so that we can feel better the, the, the next day and do- Without guilt. Absolutely. So honoring the cyclic nature of life and also syncing our life with the moon's phases is something that can be really transformative. This is something I absolutely love to do. It's like just planning for projects or events even or things with what the moon's doing at, at the moment, what's happening. Am I in a phase where I should be running after things or where I should be maybe more uh, analyzing or observing situations or letting go? Sometimes it's just better to let go of things and not necessarily run after so many goals, so many objectives. So yes, that's absolutely fundamental, I think, to live in harmony with nature, like you mentioned, which is really important. At the end of the day, we keep on learning astrology, tarot, Reiki, all of these beautiful and fascinating um, fields. But at the end of the day, everything is in nature already. (laughs) Everything we learn and study is literally what's happening all around us. We just have to look for it (laughs) or maybe look at it a different way, not just look for it. So glad you mentioned that about how now you're trying to live a lot of your life according to the moon phases as a woman. I did the same. I bought a moon calendar uh, about a year or two ago when I really started to deeply get into my study. And uh, and when I started the show, too, it was right around the same time, uh, coincidentally. And uh, and I'll notice the same thing, Fatima. I noticed that, okay, I'm all, I have marked like when the full moon is, I actually have, I was born about 48 hours before a full moon. So I have that marked. Yep. And then when the dark moon is and the new moon and all that's literally on my calendar, like my schedule is. And, um, sometimes I'll notice like if I have travel coming up or a show or whatever, something going on, a social event, I'm like, Ooh, it's a dark moon. Maybe I don't want to go, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just a cool way to live your life because you feel like you're in harmony, you know, you're in harmony with life. Yes. I, I think that's beautiful as also at the end of the day, consciously thinking about it. But when you look back, you realize that some of the times where you didn't feel like going to that party was a dark moon or something of that sort, or maybe you had a promotion just at the time of a full moon. Sometimes things happen, not sometimes, I believe in my life, things happen in such a a timely manner. It's actually fascinating. It's so fascinating when we dive into that path and it's so rewarding as well. I agree. You know, it's become kind of a a theme for many of my guests. We end up talking about the moon, like the show we did on the uh, Analemma water wand, my guest uh, with uh, Dolph. And we talked about the phases of the moon and how it literally affects the water molecules and the charge of the water at different, at different times of the month is different. Um, and, you know, you mentioned how it controls the tides and the weather. You know, the sun gets all the, the, the props and all the respect, I think. <laughs> but it's really interesting because um, without the moon, we, you know, we wouldn't have uh, 
also the the seasons and the changes that's why another reason why the moon is a feminine because of the cyclical nature women our physiology isn't designed to be that constant the masculine energy and maybe back to what we were talking about at the beginning about the divine masculine feminine concept these are principles not genders like you said they're principles that the feminine is the changing it's the emotional it's the creativity it's the waxing and the waning of the moon right hence the term whereas the sun is the constant pretty much comes up the same time every day pretty much goes down the same time every night it's the present constant that can withstand the changes and that's the that's the masculine in its best form did you want to comment on that at all? No, I find it a beautiful, um, such a beautiful description of it. At the end of the day, when we look at the sun and the moon, they speak to us about our inner chaos our, and our inner rationality. Or I, I, I don't even have the word for it, but like you said, this constant eternal spark of life. And then there's chaos and things moving and things changing. And if we lean towards one um, side, more than the other the imbalance is bound to happen and this is something um i see a lot particularly but particularly with uh sun-based astrology sometimes people who label themselves with their sun signs and kind of you know make it a like a life mission to be just their sun sign sometimes some people lean towards the moon side a little bit too much and i think finding a balance learning that in astrology as an example these are only pointers they, they are just like you said mirrors they are a reflection of something going on within they are not us they speak to us about sides of us that we can harness that we can use that we can tap into but they are at the end of the day tools that can help us fulfill our life's mission they are not here to limit us in any way shape or, or form um, it, 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 this is a little bit off topic, but it's like people who blame um, their entire life's misery on Mercury going retrograde. Like, yes, uh -huh. it, it has a link, but it's not the reason why you're feeling this way since you were <laughs> a child. Yeah, it is not that um, that cause and effect. There, there's no cause and effects. It's just correlations and. Um, meanings meanings reflections and symbols at the like we spoke about um we spoke about symbols the last time we were mm -hmm. um chit-chatting on the show um everything is a symbol and the sun and the moon in my opinion are one of the clearest and most universal symbols we can go to i don't know a, a village in africa or australia or asia people know what the sun and the moon represent. If you tell them what's a father, what's a mother, they know what these archetypes represent. So that's why maybe in how we view the divine polarities, these are the most obvious archetypes we think of. The father, the strict, the rigid, the loving, the active, the breadwinner, father. And then we have, you know, the caring, um, loving, protective, and, and sometimes fierce mother. Um, but there's other layers and um, aspects to it too in astrology besides the the sun and the moon. Right on. You know, I'm thinking it might be helpful for the listeners and the viewers if if you are prepared to talk about the. Uh, you mentioned that the signs, the polarities of the signs in astrology 
uh, are associated uh, with different elements or whatever? Like, yes. uh, could, are you prepared to just share? Because yes. people might be thinking, I don't know what I am. Like, I'm an Aquarius. Right. However, I learned that apparently my, like I mentioned, my moon is in Cancer, which yes. is significant. So I don't know what any of that really means. <laughs> uh, but maybe you can talk if, briefly just for the, again, the view and the listener to help apply these polarity things. Like, okay, well, I'm a Pisces. What, do, what does she mean? Like, well, how does that apply to me? Absolutely. So for anyone listening, all of us have the entire 12 signs in our birth chart, believe it or not, we are all the 12 signs combined. And it's all about playing with these signs and with these energies. So your sun is in a certain sign the day you were born and your moon is in a certain sign the day you were born. And going through the 12 signs, we begin with Aries and Aries is a fire sign, making it a, um, a masculine, like a divine masculine sign. So if your sun or moon is in Aries, you have that quality, that energy within you. Taurus is a feminine sign. Gemini is, so is an air sign, making it a masculine sign. Um, wait, maybe, maybe to make it a little bit easier, I'm going to go with the masculine one. There you go. So the okay. masculine, <laughs> that's going to be yep. a lot easier. So okay. the masculine signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius, Gemini, um, Libra, and Aquarius. And the feminine signs are the earth and water signs. So Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, and Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. So if you are an air or a fire sign, or if you have your sun or moon in a fire or air sign, you have that masculine energy within you. And if you have them in a water or earth sign, you have more feminine qualities. And to make it a little bit more easier, if you have your moon in a fire sign, this is sometimes, this sparks some some frustration in some people like I know some 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 women as an example um, that I knew back in Morocco who had their moon in Aries and in their societies being uh, like their their way of being feminine was judged by others because it was like too aggressive to this to that too brave to while in reality all these signs whether feminine or masculine have a beautiful and unique way of expressing that feminine energy it just taints the beautiful energy of the moon and the same goes for the sun people who have their sun in uh, in feminine signs are maybe more introspectives these are the the introverts um the people who are maybe not all about getting the attention that they want or need of course i'm making um, exceptions there's lots of exceptions uh, exceptions based on the birth chart of the native. There is so many outgoing uh, feminine signs out there. But what I'm trying to say here is no matter which category you fall under, it is there for a purpose and it has a message for you. And it is here to teach you how to harmonize, especially when you have different elements in your sun and in your big three, in your sun moon or rising signs when they are in different elements it creates actually it's a beautiful thing like you would think that if you had just um the same elements all over your chart that sometimes create having that too much energy we feel like we are too 
uh, reliant on one element only. So we feel foreign when we are dealing with other situations, with other um, other life events that need us to maybe be more proactive or more receiving, etc. So that's a beautiful thing to look into and try to harmonize as much as possible or just learn about if you if for the listeners who have no idea what we're speaking about just Google if you if you Google uh, moon calculator you can know in just a few seconds where your moon um, was where the moon was the day you were born and that can give you already a lot of indications about you know some of the areas of growth of opportunities and maybe some challenges also but at the end of the day all good lessons to to go with and of course they can contact you (laughs) to help them personally which would be much more beneficial than googling it right i mean let's just get right to how does this apply to me so on that note on that note you made me think about okay so Thank you for giving that list. I think that should be helpful for people. And now I'm thinking perhaps you can categorize the umbrella for, all right, we've got the masculine polarity type signs, and then we've got the feminine ones, which is fascinating to me. I did not know any of that. I didn't realize the signs had a gender, so to speak, or a, a you know polarity essence might be a more accurate way to say it. Um, but for me... I have one in each. Like my sun sign is the Aquarius, which is the masculine, which as I understand is a mental element, right? And it's the um, also the element of fire. Those are also two masculine elements and fire. So I'm, I'm, it's been a story in my life to be, just try to get the hell out of my head. Another reason why I named the jo- my, my show Awakening Aphrodite is to balance my own energy and feel more and think less, which I think happens to a lot of business-driven women in our modern culture. So I have that strong mental component, and but I also have a very strong spiritual component. So there's my fire, my two masculine. But then in my moon sign, because I'm a cancer, I'm also super strong in water. I feel very deeply. And I've always been empathetic to others in in a good and a bad way, feeling their feelings, whether I want to or not. (laughs) And I also have a strong earth element. I've been an athlete all my life and very physical. And I love to dance. I love to be physical. And I love the earth. I love Mother Earth. I just, I need to literally ground myself every day or I'm like a freak. So, <laughs> so I have signs in both. So Fatima, what would you say to someone like me who's got a sign in each polarity? Well, that's really interesting. Actually, the, when you were talking, all I could imagine was a beautiful avant-garde artist with lots of ideas running around, but also lots of intuition and Uh, feelings. And because um, air and water are not compatible per se, it can be difficult for some people, especially in their earlier stages of life, Mm -hmm. to make their emotions and their, not really mental, because that's more Mercury uh, in astrology, but their consciousness and their unconscious work together in a harmonious way without maybe Um, feeling frustrated or sometimes having too many ideas or not knowing which direction is it going to be my heart or my head which one am I going to follow but the beautiful thing about Aquarius um, is that Aquarius is not necessarily a feeler he's 
the water bearer and the so a lot of people think that Aquarius is a water sign because he in the symbol of uh, Aquarius is a man or a woman. We don't know. It's a like human. A, it's a human. A human it's being. supposed to be a human. Yes. <laughs> they changed it to a man, of course. <laughs> a human being holding a cup of water and pouring it down to the nations. This is like, I don't know, Che Guevara or some someone who Gandhi, people who inspire others. They give emotions to others, but they Kuan do not Yen. hold absolutely they don't really hold that emotion within so having your moon in cancer i think is such a beautiful thing because it grounds you in your body in your emotion in your um feelings more than maybe if you had your mercury in your moon sorry in in, in gemini or libra or another scorpio absolutely in mm -hmm. scorpio is, is this water sign so that oh it is oh okay tempered. oops <laughs> so if it, it, okay. if because it is in a water sign, I think that's a strength. Of course, it comes, it is um, one of the most uh, emotional uh, lunar placement for the moon to be in Cancer because it is at home. So it feels a lot. It is empathic. It, it soaks, literally soaks in the energies of others. So that's beautiful, but you have to guard that beautiful um, empathy of yours or else that heart you know that heart center has to be guarded more than other um moon placements who maybe are you know if it's a fire moon they have less difficulties you know because they are more outgoing more um the energy is is outwards if i may say while you are retaining and holding light in your body physically so i, I absolutely love that combination i think it's working perfectly for you. <laughs> well yeah i'm pretty complicated i guess it's got that dichotomy that's for sure you know the two polarities for sure but that that really ultimately is what it's all about right it's about the the sacred marriage the union of the two and uh and all of us in all of us and you know it's interesting that you said that about um the moon and uh because it made me think about one of the shadow aspects of the moon is deception Okay, and that's one of the things you have to worry about, but not only deception from others, but deception of yourself, because it, like in Tarot, the moon is also a symbol of authenticity and choices. And in the, in the Tarot card, there's, there's two pillars in the card, a pillar on the right and the left with the, with the river, the water element, the symbol of emotions and feelings in the middle. And the moon r reminds us that every day we have a choice. We have to make a conscious choice if we're going to live according to our authentic, true heart self or, or if we're going to live in the false ego self out of a sense of duty. How often do we all do that, right? I got to do this. I should do this. I got to be responsible. I got to your whole list, right? When your soul and your heart is like, but this isn't really who you are. So one thing that I learned about the moon is that it is symbolic of really going within, which back to what you were saying earlier, requires you to reflect, withdraw, pull back, not be the sun, and reflect on yourself and go within deep, which is another symbol of the moon is going within how do I feel about this? What is it I really want? What are my true desires? What is, what is my soul yearning for? These are all the symbols of the moon to get in touch with that once a month. 
every, or if not every day, and then you make a choice from your authentic self. And that's when you'll be in alignment where in Native American medicine, it's called your, your feet and your heart and your spirit are all in the same place. You're standing in the same place. You're aligned, united, and then you're in your most power because you're acting from your authentic true self, regardless of maybe what might happen. But that's when you're in most power. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourself. And that's the shadow of the moon, right? It's deception of yourself or other where we put on masks and we are who everyone thinks we should be or who we think they think we should be. And we present a false self, which is not true to your moon. That's that's such a beautiful um beautiful message i i absolutely love the the native american thing that you said was it to have your feet your heart and your yes. mind at yep. the same place you're all in the same place like you call I your spirit it. back and you are where your feet are and that's when you're it's basically even physically like your your spine lines up so your chakras and your energy and your life force flows and you're connecting the heavens and the earth as above so below like the magician right the hermetic uh, principle. So that's really the only way though we can line up is when we're true to our authentic self and we're not just saying what we think is going to keep the peace or make others happy or be who they expect us to be and they need us to be and martyring ourselves. I did that for most of my life was martyring myself. Why? Well, basically to secure love and security, you know, because I was afraid of being abandoned by family or friends or whatever relationships. So just trying to be what others wanted me to be more than really what my soul was saying and making myself small and not going to big conventions and speaking in front of large audiences because my partner was like, what are you doing that for? Or whatever, you know, so I'd say no. I mean, that's not being true to my authentic nature and going against my moon personality in uh you know so i know all about that which is probably why i can talk about it so much <laughs> that's so beautiful i and i i love it at the like when we look at it it is true that the sun is our ability to speak when our moon is our ability to listen and when you pay attention to your moon you begin to listen to what your soul wants like you said earlier this is the urges of your soul and if we're not listening if we're not honoring that side of us we can't listen there's too much noise and chatter from our son from other from the world not just our son there's so much chatter chatter around the world already so if we cannot pause down for a minute look at the moon look at ourselves reflect we're going to be someone we're not fully and we're not even going to be aware of it and i think that's the worst part is that when we deny yes. our moon the ability to speak to us we also deny our sun the ability to be at its best because we, well <laughs> how can we know who we are if we don't pause and listen i'm so glad you said that because i was going to add that that yes the sun is the symbol of the self, the ego, the expression in the world, that masculine energy, the out there, here I am, this is who I am, you know, whereas you can't really be your authentic expression, sun, masculine out there energy, if you didn't do the work of the moon of going within to learn who is my authentic self, who really am I? So otherwise you're just missing the mark, right? So they're both super important. Absolutely. Together. 
Yes. And it, it reminds me that in astrology, there's there's this beautiful um, multi-layered um, dimension to the divine feminine. So like we said earlier, there's the moon, of course, representing the mother. But another, um, this is not a planet or a luminary per se in astrology, but it's called the Black Moon Lilith, which is an angle in the sky. And it speaks about the dark phase of the moon. This is literally the darkest phase of our um of our lunar entity if we want and Lilith in mythology is the said to be the first woman who came before uh, Eve so this mm -hmm. was a woman who was not made out of a man this is a woman who was independent who was doing yeah. her own thing yes and in astrology this 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 black moon Lilith can sometimes indicate to us how we act or how we are when we are wounded this these are uh, this the word sin is is has a con religious connotation but it's not like that it's more how we are when we are feeling wrath feeling that primordial anger and frustration in a way this is our dark side and I feel that most of the times where the Black Moon Lilith has an impact on us, it is like you just said, when we don't listen to our moon. And this energy can sometimes, you know, play out in some people's lives dramatically if they do not listen to their moon. Um, I'll give the example with my own um, chart. I have my moon in Libra. So I have a Virgo sun. My moon is in Libra. And my black moon Lilith is in Leo. So when I do not listen to my moon, which is saying to me, you know, be in harmony, find harmony, calm down, be harmonious, be aesthetic, be, um, find, you know, diplomacy and ways to ease your, you know, talk your way through your emotions, calm down, be, um, be the peacemaker in your own life. This is what my moon is telling me. And when I'm not living through that principle, when I'm not allowing my moon to shine bright, of course, in a healthy way, not in a people-pleasing way, in a healthy uh, manner, sometimes I will fall in my ego because my black moon Lilith is in Leo. And Leo is linked with this idea of feeling ourselves, But when it is in, you know, linked with the black moon Lilith, it can manifest itself as being centered around the self or feeling like okay i have to do this i have to you know make this happen for myself or else no one else will i have to fend for myself this is my territory the leo the leonesque way in a way of guarding the territory competitive and, exactly and because of this understanding like this is what i love about astrology is that when you start learning about these placements within us you understand that there are there is a message there is a beauty in learning that okay at my worst this is how i can be but i also have a best and i can choose which one i would rather lean towards not to shame or to um suppress my worst because that worst is helping me in so in certain ways like if someone fights me in the street i guarantee that my black moon lilith is gonna you know come up and fend for me but what i'm trying to say here is 
when we understand the moon, it is really, really pr primordial because it can help us get rid of certain aspects that can show up unexpectedly, either through our birth chart for the people who are interested in astrology, or if we just want to be general, when we are in denial about who we are, we can sometimes be, you know, a-holes. <laughs> we can be complete a-holes. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. This is, I just, you're just amazing. I never heard of the black moon Lilith. So is that, would that be similar to the dark night of the soul? Not really. It is okay. more, uh, it's, it's really more about our chaotic nature. You know, sometimes the, the black moon Lilith is not all bad. Like I'm, I'm not saying that the black moon Lilith is the worst we can be, but it is it an archetype? I don't really understand what it is then. It's not, it's not it's, a phase. It's, it's not, it a... is, it's an angle. Actually, it's calculated through the moon's position in your birth chart. And it, it's like the ascendant. The ascendant is the, uh, the Eastern horizon, the minute you were born. And the black moon Lilith is an angle calculated with the moon's position. So, it so is it's an aspect. It's an aspect of your birth chart. Yes, it's a point. It's like okay, a point yeah. in your birth okay, chart and it, it falls in, in a certain house, in a so certain So everyone sign. has it. Okay. Exactly. Everyone has it. Got and it. it's not really an active because it's a minor, it's like a minor point in our birth chart, but it does express itself sometimes. And it represents the archetype of the dark feminine. This is the... Um, the shadow. The, Exactly. The shadow side. For me, it's literally the shadow side of the moon, because you, you mentioned that earlier. It's that that which we do not want to face. You know, we don't want to face um, that shadow most of the times. But learning about it can be interesting and, you know, help us maybe make peace with that side of us. Okay, so would you say that that's something then, since it's uh, determined by your birthday, time, place on your chart, would it be something, Fatima, that is inherent at birth, regardless of what happens to you in your life? Because I know our shadows can, which we all have, can yes. be aspects of us that because of life situations has created a shadow aspect of you or in another way of saying a shadow is something you're repressing, right? Like, okay, I hate the fact, let's just say I'm prejudiced or I'm whatever, I don't know, whatever I am that I don't like about myself and I'll just repress it. Or what, or let's say I grew up, uh, I was homosexual, I liked women and I was strict Catholic family and that was a no-no, a big sin. So I repress it. So that becomes my shadow. Um, so is the dark moon Lilith aspect of us something that's inherent or is it something that's learned through life experience, that shadow? Uh, I, that, that's an, an interesting question, but I, I think in astrology, the thing is there's many shadows. Like we have many shadows. The ones you were mentioning about life situations or suppressed feelings, suppressed, I think that's slightly different, but I was more talking about the shadow of the moon aspect you know the oh, the, oh. the intuitive the receptive side the um okay. the, you know all of the archetypes linked with the mother the moon as the mother 
and each shadow directly you know it's like oh, eve okay. and lilith but of course there's many other places in our you know of course even our sun can have shadows like we forget that but our sun can express itself through its shadow through its lower uh expression through and have the blind sides if i may say blind how we say blind mm -hmm. yeah blind yep. sides mm -hmm. where the energy is not really being filtered it's um slightly changing depending on how we express it but no the black moon lilith is more in my opinion the dark side of the moon of our moon and sometimes an energy that we literally quite literally do not like in us and sometimes don't see or um understand so maybe it will not maybe but I'm I'm having a hard time. You finding repress it. Words, you you try I, to try to repress it because you don't like it about yourself. Is what you're saying? Um, sometimes when we when we suppress this energy, it's it's like a bottle. It's like if if you keep the genie in the bottle, someday it's gonna you know it's gonna burst. blow out, blow mm -hmm. out exactly burst. But when we understand this energy, it is not something we suppress. It becomes a source of power. The Black Moon Lilith is also linked with magic, as an example, or uh, power. This is the womanhood, the mother who is not bonded with, you know, who doesn't have an obligation to be with her children, but who chooses, like you said earlier, with the moon and, you know, having to deal with these choices. The Black, like the moon, as a mother, has a biological link with whatever she creates whether it's a real baby or a project or a love relationship or whatever she is bonded with that so there is a codependency at times while the black moon lilith can help us see beyond like what what does this um help me with is this something that can help me grow as an individual is this something that i can use for myself not it sounds selfish but it's really not you know it's it sounds like that because well in society everything that is um, for that is uh sentenced or phrased in a way that serves the self is meant to be um selfish but the black moon lilith is not afraid to be selfish and i think finding a balance between those two you know yes i do have to be a good mother i do have to protect people but at the same time i do have to protect myself too i think those two energies have to be um reconciled at some point. I think that's critical what you just said, because you're so right. I mean, you know, all these dark energies and the shadow and all these things and don't be egotistical and the ego's bad. People have it all wrong. This is, we're all of it. And that's the whole point. It's so ironic to me because the whole point of if you repress any part of who you are, even the stuff you judge as bad or shameful or not right, that's only going to grow and fester because it's all of who you are, that you are your ego. Without your ego, you wouldn't get dressed. I mean, the ego isn't a bad thing, you know what I mean? It's, it's essential for your individualization. And in Jungian psychology, it's all about self-actualization. And we know even in holistic health and wellness, it's about being your whole self, your whole self, the good and the bad. So to your point about the Black Moon Lilith, what I'm hearing you say is, it ultimately leads to self-empowerment and self-knowledge because you're knowing your tendency to kind of 
I, I see your struggle for the word. To, it's not that it's a bad thing, but to go into, for lack of a better word, your shadow aspect of something, um, to be aware of that is very empowering. So, for example, your mother example that you gave, you, if you're just, if you acknowledge in your conscious brain, and this is where the shadow is no longer a shadow. The shadow can come out into the light because your consciousness makes the subconscious conscious and then it's no longer a shadow. And when it's no longer a shadow, it's no longer controlling your programming, okay? But that's when you get really empowered. So to your mother example, the mother might acknowledge, okay, well, now I'm an empty nester. My kids are almost grown and they're pretty much independent and I'm I'm feeling like insecure and insignificant, like I lost kind of my identity. So now you start acknowledging this codependent tendency you might be having, like, all right, but I want to make sure my kids still need me. They want my approval or, wow, they're getting a little too independent. What about me? You know, so that can be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm, what I'm thinking is perhaps that's an expression of the the dark moon Lilith or the black moon Lilith um, expressing itself because you're acknowledging that part of you. Is that right? That could be. That could be. I mean, for as an example, if someone has the black moon Lilith in cancer, they could have a problem with motherhood. They could hate Uh being a mother. You know, they hate Uh playing that role, but they kind of have to. And at the same time, while they hate playing that role, they love playing it in other areas of their lives. So each each placement of the Black Moon Lilith can tell us of the things that we will kind of hate to say out loud. Like for to go back to my own Black Moon Lilith, um, I, I wouldn't like to be called selfish, but at times I do get selfish. And that's like the, where the, you know, there's a fine line, if I may say, when we understand our black moon, we understand that there's some things that although we may hate in others and in ourselves, but they are there. <laughs> like you said, we are all of it. And if we don't give it love and compassion and attention or just understanding, we are not going to go, it's not going to go well, you know, it's going to go in extremes. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say then is now that I'm understanding it a little bit better is perhaps it would be when you see that since you are aware of what your black moon Lilith is and your tendency to perhaps get selfish at times, is it then perhaps like a red flag, like that can help you be aware, oh, uh, that this must mean I need, I'm out of balance. Like I need to address something in my life because I'm going into that darker energy of the selfishness. So it must mean, well, I'm not taking good care of myself. I'm overworking. Like, can it make you aware of, you know, your life being out of balance or off course or not authentic or whatever? Absolutely. Okay. So it's a good, so there's the purpose of it. Absolutely. There's the good in it. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I like how, earlier you mentioned you know Jungian archetypes and how Jung Carl Jung sees um, the psyche in a way for me in astrology everything is linked with archetypes and when we understand our archetypes there is only understanding from there you know when you are about to slip into something you're not you know you know when you're about to get warrior mode you know you know when you're about to go um, into a dreamer or mystic or um 
any other archetype that we can play in our lives because yes we can play so many roles and we tend to forget about that we can be so plural and at the same time unique we can have many facets many uh ways of expressing ourselves depending on the situation on our mood on the the lunar phase we have so many ways of expressing uh the beautiful things that we have inside and that's the power of learning about our um astrological birth chart as an example because it gives us this this tool belt under you know we have a tool belt now that we can use when you start seeing certain things certain elements certain modalities certain signs you understand okay well maybe this is about to to happen well you know this i'm about to go mayhem i'm about to go this way so yeah that's um that's a really interesting topic and that's that's ultimately that's ultimately the the self-empowerment is self-knowledge right because once you are aware of this is kind of, this is how I was born a certain way. Now, obviously, you know, nature versus nurture, but it's a combination of both, that's for sure. And once I learned that, wow, my moon's in cancer, it explained a lot. Once I found out my personality sign and all that stuff, it's like, okay, so then I was able to honor what I needed more. And there's only one way to find out if it's true. I tried living differently and applying it and look at the results I got and what do you know? My life started working better. I started sleeping better. I started feeling better. I started looking better. I was just happier, you know. So there's only one way to find out if any of this is true. But I think it's really interesting how you mentioned the Black Moon Lilith because of all the astrologers I've known, both professionally and personally, I've never heard anyone mention it. So should we have the astrologer we're working with, if we do work with one, should we make sure they address that in our reading? Well, not everyone, you know, there's, it's like asteroids, you know, not everyone uses, not all astrologers okay. use all the asteroids because there's so many of them. And in speaking about the feminine, like there's so many beautiful expressions of the feminine. There's Juno, mm -hmm. there's Pallas, there's Ceres. There's a lot of um, beautiful techniques, if I may say. There's timing techniques and uh midpoints all of these things in astrology that are not always going to be used but if one if the re, the listeners or the people watching us as an example are booking a birth chart reading and they want to know about their their black moon lilith they can ask the astrologer if they're working if this is something that they work with and um i think that's something interesting to just get to know you know get a taste of it you know not to to fear monger or anything but it's something um just another layer of understanding of who you are how you interact with the world with others and knowing that alone can help you you know do great things <laughs> in life self-knowledge is power all right i know we're getting toward the end but uh can you just share with us i feel like we have to give a shout out for the men any yes. thoughts on <laughs> any thoughts on moon energies for men? Because you know, back to the moon being the symbol of the feminine, the feeling nature. Men get a bad rap. You know, I love men, and I think men have a harder time expressing their feelings honestly and authentically than women, even the over-masculinized women like I had been. Um, so, what can you share with us your thoughts for men and dealing with their moon energy? 
Um, this is such a beautiful question because it is true that when we speak about the moon, when we see articles about the moon, mm -hmm. even some of the articles that I write about the moon are mostly centered around women because we mm -hmm. think that this is something that speaks to women, while in reality, all males and females have uh, both the luminaries, both the divine polarities within them. And I think sometimes in the way the moon expresses itself when the person is um, is a man or defines himself or herself as a man is suppression through circumstances or sometimes of course it can it can be quite literally something in the birth chart like maybe a moon located in a 12th house or in a sixth house, there's some placements in the chart. This can be an intercepted moon. There can be many um, uh, instances in astrology that could explain why the energy is bottled up, but I'm not going to go into that. But in a general, general fashion, I believe that because there's such a judgment from the sun towards the moon in some of these men, men's uh, mental uh, area, if I may say, they are consciously choosing not to tap into that well of power, that well of wonders. And I, I this reminds me of something really interesting. I don't want to like someone, I, I hope people double check what I'm about to say, but I heard that even men have some sort of menstrual cycle in terms of hormones, not as of course as dramatic as as women because we have estrogens and all of these things but also men have these balance these you know these uh shifts and fluctuations they just don't really pay attention to it and the people who actually you know do the work do the inner work etc some of these men can actually tap back into that flow like even men have some sort of course it's not the same as women not as um, emotional or as um, uh, as factual as women's because we are so close with the moon, but they have these uh, these links with it. So I think to 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 go back to your question, one way that men could honor this place of them, this side of them, this side of their psyche that is sometimes overlooked, is to understand that the woman, the mother, doesn't have to be. A woman doesn't have to be something uh, feminine. They can understand, like when they understand that um, emotions, feelings, intuition, all of these things are part of life. And when we block that, it's, it's such a tragedy. And this is something that I see as an example in modern medicine. Our, modern doctors are so blocked from their divine feminine that they are void of emotion i remember going to the doctor it's like no emotion no empathy it's just this is you have a symptom this is what you're gonna do no this is science it's like really rigid and when the moon is not being allowed to express itself in a man's life there is no warmth there is no creativity there is no passion there is no um subtle nuances there's just you know big buildings and fast cars and efficient um systems in place and nothing in between so for anyone listening who is a man and who wants to connect to to 
have a better life, to feel happier, connect with your moon, honor it, do some self-care. You know, uh, women, us women speak a lot about self-care and I think men should do that too. It's something overlooked, but just spending, doing some of the things that some men don't necessarily do all the time, like spending a day for, you know, having a spa day or I don't know, doing their hair. I don't know what men do. But it's all of these something that their heart wants them to do. How about that? Just something rather than their head, what being a being the good dad, the good boyfriend, the good worker, you know, like doing the shoulds, the responsibility and the sense of duty, like makes me think of the military and serving. Right. How about just what does your heart want you to do? That's being in your moon energy, whether a man or a woman, because that's connecting to your soul. And I think in defense of men, they need to, like many women, to give be given permission to do that. And like women that I talk a lot about on my show, to go into our heart and to be vulnerable and therefore really talk about our deep, reflective, personal emotions requires safety. We can't do that if we don't feel safe physically or emotionally with a person or relationship or situation. And men are no different than women. Men aren't going to talk about their deep feelings and the fears and insecurities and anxieties that they have because they're human. They're not going to talk about that with you. If they think you're going to judge them or leave them or disrespect them or think any less of them, but good Lord, they're humans. But that's where intimacy comes in. That's where intimacy comes in, not only for the man, but for the woman or the partner, I should say. It doesn't matter what gender you are in your relationship. To have true intimacy requires vulnerability and authenticity and truth, but that requires a foundation of safety first, that you feel safe, that I can be my authentic self with you, and you're not going to leave me, judge me, berate me, shame me, or any of that stuff. And it's back to what you mentioned about the shadow, right? That we, we all have to admit, I have a jealous side, I have an insecure side, I have an anxious side, I have a selfish side, I have all these sides that are supposedly bad, but so do you. You know, and at different times in our lives, some are expressed more than others. And a lot of times, back to our dark moon Lilith, you know, perhaps it can be a wake up call. Like you might want to pay attention to something that's out of balance in your life. The reason why you're expressing that right now, you know, so it's all beautiful. It's all part of life school. Absolutely. And I find it beautiful that you mentioned safety, because indeed, I think women and men both want safety in different ways of course Mm -hmm. women prefer containment men want to feel uh, to contain and woman wants to be contained but that's about intimacy and safety like you said and in our society where we shame men for wearing pink for crying for um, having these vulnerabilities it can be easy to just suppress it all to just deny it all to just not even pay attention, not give it time of the day. Some some men that I know around me can't even put words on their emotions because they don't train themselves to do to do that. When they meet other men in their lives, they would rather speak about certain ideas and concepts rather than emotions. And I think sometimes us women have more ease doing so because we meet other people who do that way. And like you said, there is a mirror as women we represent this mirror we reflect what we see so 
for any women listening who have partners who have sacred partners in their lives fathers brothers part you know um boyfriends husbands etc create that space create that mm. safety for your man uh to to you know express who they are to, to reconnect with who they are without judgment without laughter without uh criticism or um any anything of that sort and of course by doing so um actually if you want to do so you can also give the example yourself allow yourself to be that example lead by example and allow him to take the lead because of course the divine masculine and you know not, i wouldn't say men but the divine masculine doesn't want to be told what to do you can't tell your man get vulnerable tell me what you feel like i i am guilty of doing that myself at times like how do you feel tell me what you feel while it's easier to actually inspire the woman the divine feminine actually the moon's role the venus's role you know the divine feminine as a whole has a mission and it is to inspire and to spark lights uh in the masculine's uh energy field and then the masculine if he wants to accept that invitation is going to give you everything he's going to express his full um beautiful energy and what it it entails about him 100% look at history men fight wars over women look at the battle of troy for helen i mean if your man is inspired by you and your love and your respect and devotion he will climb mountains for you he will fight dragons for you and then that's really what women have to understand is that that we I love that you said that it's so important that we stay in our authenticity in our joy in our love in our heart in our truth and that alone is enough because that's the magnetic force back to the moon that's the attraction power it's not the putting your booty pictures on Instagram and you know all this stuff to attract the man you know it's no stand in your power girls stand in your power your power is within yourself and you're tapping into your own source of joy and inspiration and truth and live that and you will attract the people to your life whether it be a love partner, friends, business, whatever that is aligned with you and it, and and is inspired by that because they want that light. They want that energy that you're putting out and it's like flies to light, right? So I just love that. I love our conversations. We obviously could just go on and on and on for days. And uh, wow, I, I just, I know you're in Paris right now. I'm in, uh, I'm in Florida, actually. I wish we lived closer. I feel like we would just have many long Saturday nights over bottles of wine, chatting, chatting, chatting. Uh, thank you so much. And I apologize that we're out of time, but um, I do have a hard stop today. Do you have anything else, though, just in lieu of our conversation, this beautiful conversation that's really on your heart to share? Um, I would like to share that at the end of the day, whether it's the luminaries or asteroids or even planets like Venus and Mars, or even outside of astrology, whether it's the divine feminine or the divine masculine, at the end of the day, the most important thing is to know thyself, like the, like the the axiom "know thyself." By knowing who we are, by accepting some messages, the good and the bad, we can come out victorious. We can come out with uh, 
seeds that we can plant and that can give us results and not just results but a lifestyle that we feel our best in this is our highest expression of our full potential so i think to anyone listening my only advice would be to not judge your self because like we were speaking about the men who in society they feel shamed about speaking or saying mm -hmm or doing certain things, we also do that internally. Like put that same scenario that Amy and I were just speaking about and apply it to yourself. Where are you shaming yourself? Where are you telling yourself, no, don't be that way. You can't be weak, you can't be vulnerable, you can't be that, you have to be strong, you have to be good, you have to be a good this, a good that. There are so many instances in our lives where we judge ourselves. we are our own worst critic, so find those areas, find those places, those planets even, find those places either on your birth chart or in your life where you are feeling maybe restricted, you are limiting yourself, sabotaging and not allowing the full expression of your being. Like Amy said earlier, authenticity is at the core of it all and it will literally open doors for you. Yes, and I'll just add to that that uh, what I've also learned is I love that you said about find the place in yourself and judging yourself. I've also learned, and this is a whole other topic, uh, but I just have to share because it's it's affected me so profoundly, this, this realization I've had very recently. When you become aware of something of a, of a painful, traumatic, or any kind of shameful story that you might have been running in your subconscious programming. It's one thing to be aware of it and try to release that judgment in, of yourself. Because as adults, we can intellectually know that something, it's okay, you were just a kid, or that was, that was a story you were telling yourself as a child that wasn't even true. Like, let's just say your parents divorced when you were two. And, you know, children blame themselves and think daddy left mommy because of me and whatever. So we're running the story in our little child brain. And as an adult, we know that's crazy. The parents, people get divorced for their own reasons. Nothing to do with the kid necessarily. Most, almost always never to do with the kid. But the kid grows up with the story, right? So you become conscious of this judgment maybe you've had of yourself. And it's one thing to become conscious of it. Or to really be like, okay, I'm letting that go. I know it's not true. I need to heal this. And I've learned recently that it's another thing to share it, to speak it to someone else. Because you can process it and go loops in your head. I know it was wrong. Daddy didn't leave mommy because of me. I get it. I got to heal this. I'm now so-and-so years old. I got to get over it. But if you find, and when I'm sharing with our friends listening and watching, is I've found that by verbally saying it out loud to another human being, this is where talk therapy and support groups and all this, part of why they're so successful in healing trauma, because when you speak it, it takes on the sound energy of the vibration of the universe, and it, it, it becomes a life form, a material form, and it has much more power. That's why the words we use are so powerful in manifesting and casting spells. Again, another topic. But it has a healing capacity when you speak it out loud. So to your point of the self-judgment, yep, right on. You got to be aware of it first, right? But there's also power, what I'm adding, 
is to speak it like, wow, I can't believe how I was judging myself. Maybe that might be even just journaling, but it's more powerful if you say it to another person. Yes. And to have another human empathetically be present, hold that container, not judge it, not even reply. They're not going to counsel you or anything like that. They're just going to witness you. They're just going to hear it and let you get it out. That is the release. That's when alchemy happens and the healing can result because you've spoken it and now it's out of you and into this atmosphere and it can now alchemize and heal and transmute into something better. And to me, what I've learned, that's when the real healing can begin is when you just, you get it out. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. And if I may add just of course, a little bit, please. I think also another when when choosing this person to display to share to release this uh trauma or wound or um pain that you're holding on to maybe paying attention to who you are sharing this information with that's why choosing mentors or trusted um like-minded individuals is key because i know that in you know in a lot of instances the persons the people in front of us sometimes will um, gaslight us or cancel us, like you said, and that can lead us to having more guilt. And to, it's like we shared something, and then because of you know the the way it was received, we're gonna soak it right in, so shut maybe, it down exactly mm-hmm. out of their because of their insecurities. Yes, that they projected back to us. It's like a vicious cycle. But that's absolutely wonderful what you just said, Amy. It's I think in a way a lot of the things that I've I managed to heal in my life and the moment I knew that it was actually less of a open wound but more of a scar that doesn't hurt as much but is more of a lesson it's a reminder of what I went through is when I was able of sharing that with others and speaking about it without feeling um it's not about what I'm feeling at the moment, but without holding back, like it's like I'm just sharing another side of uh, who I am. It's like without judging myself, without fearing what the other people uh, even would say about it. Like even That's if I huge. met someone who canceled. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I deeply resonate with what you said. I think it's absolutely key. And I'm so glad you added that very critical piece that you don't share it with just anybody. You know, because it can completely backfire and and, sh- and shut the whole thing down and even have you repress it more. Because if it's not received in a non-judgmental, heart-listening uh, way, that, it, like I said, it can just completely backfire. So you have to be very astute as to who you share these things with and back, back to safety again, right? So uh, just beautiful. Fatima Zara, my amazing, amazing holistic astrologer, amazingly wise for your human years, friend. How can people find you and where would you like to direct people that are listening and watching? Well, if anyone resonates with my teachings, with astrology, if anyone wants to get to know themselves better, I am all (laughs) for it, for discussion, for working with you guys. You can find me on Instagram at living simply with two wise. Um, or on my website, livingsimply.com. I also have a YouTube channel where I share videos um, on symbols, on astrology, and other topics related to esotericism, spirituality, and self-transformation. 
So I am really, really happy to connect with anyone who wants to discuss about these topics that I'm absolutely passionate about. I love it. And I will add that her YouTube channel is fantastic. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite. It's full of so many amazing, um, just informative videos and, and just information. And definitely check out episode 85, The Power and Significance of Esoteric Symbols, Sacred Geometry and Biogeometry with Fatima Zara, who was on that episode. That's 85 to get more of her. And do check her out. She's just fantastic, both on Instagram YouTube. I subscribe to her YouTube channel. It's wonderful. And uh, as always, I learned so much from you. I look forward to, I think, once again, having you back on the show because we have more to talk about. <laughs> Anytime. That would be my pleasure. <laughs> okay, everybody. Hey, if you enjoyed the show or you know anybody that you think might enjoy or benefit from it, please share the show if you get benefit out of it and you think... Uh, think it can help people. Thank you for leaving a quick review or rating. And uh, I can't wait to see your post tags and inspiration from the show anywhere. You can find me as well, Fit Amy TV, as well as amyfournier.com and my YouTube channel, Awakening Aphrodite, Fit Amy TV on YouTube. Okay, everybody, until next time, have a great day, night, whatever's next. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier. And I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at fitamytv, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also fitamytv. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.